And to Jesus be the glory and the honor today. Oh, I am going to have such a wonderful time with you today. First, thank you for being my wonderful partner. I mean this with all of my heart. I want to talk to you about the heart of the Christian faith. Communion. What is called the meal of the covenant. And why I think it is important now to begin having communion regularly by ourselves with the Lord. You know, a lot of churches today are not doing this anymore. So sad. Some are, thank God. But it is so important that we have regular communion, and I mean partaking communion. That blessed heart of our faith when we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. And what it means, what it means biblically. And so I'm talking to you today because I want you to begin to experience the depth, the depth of the presence of the Lord as we partake his body and blood. And so Lord, I give you praise today for, for what you're gonna show us through your word. To you be all the glory all the honor, all the praise, God's people said, amen and amen, because I know, I know you want to get really close to the Lord. And I have found that when I have communion alone with the Lord, there's such depth, such intimacy, His presence permeates my being and my soul. And I'm going to tell you something else, you know, we, we, we grow in the Lord so beautifully when we really share in his in his death and resurrection when we begin to experience what it means in communion i mean so let's begin by looking at the old testament let's look to genesis 26 verse first of all and you know there's been a lot of misunderstanding about this uh in fact sadly uh it's ignored now in so many circles. It's forgotten in today's seeker-friendly churches. <clears throat> Yet, I think this meal, this time with the Lord, like I said, is the heart of our faith and really the heart of the covenant God has made with us. So, let's, let's begin to look at it. Beginning at verse uh, 28 of Genesis 26, and they said, we saw certainly the Lord was with thee. And we said, let there be now an oath between us, even between us and you. Let us make a covenant with thee, that thou will do us no hurt. We have not touched thee, we have done unto thee nothing but good, have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. And he, meaning Isaac, made a feast and did eat and drink. So this was with a king named Abimelech. They had had a disagreement and then they settled it with a meal. In verse 30, he made them a feast and they did eat and drink. But earlier it says, let us make a covenant. So in my part of the world, problems are settled with what is called the covenant meal. And I come from that part of the world, and I remember my dad 
he and a dear man who was our neighbor had a, had a covenant. And with covenant, blood has, has, has to be shed. So let's go to uh, Genesis 31, verse 44 and 46. And why I said blood had to be, has to be shed, I remember my dad and this gentleman cut the wrist off here and blood was mingled like this. And I was a kid and I, and I remember that. And they made vows and promises to each other. And so it's very, very much a part of my upbringing. And I think the Lord was using the example of people making covenants to help us understand the covenant he made with us. And so you look at uh, Genesis 31, when Laban came to Jacob <clears throat> in verse 44, and remember when Jacob had left, Laban followed and now he and him had to come into some agreement. It says, now therefore, I'm reading verse 44, Genesis 31. Come thou, let us make what? A covenant, I and thou, and let it be a witness between me and thee. And Jacob took, took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto his brethren, gather stones, and they took stones and made a heap. And there it says, Laban called it his own name, and Jacob called it Galid. And then something happened. They ate together. So when you look at, at this amazing portions, or portion, they made a covenant and they ate together, meaning the meal was the, was the conclusion of the covenant. It, it, it really what releases the power of a covenant is a meal. You know, when people uh, in our part of the world get married, when a man and a woman get married, they have a meal. This is where the whole idea of receptions began. And the reception wasn't just to have a good dinner and people dancing and all this stuff as they do today, which you know wasn't exactly what we grew up when we were kids. They had the meal to really seal the covenant of marriage. That's what sealed it. That's what said, it's done with the meal. Meals uh, in our part of the world also uh, bring peace enemies. I remember one time I had a, a real serious problem years ago in Israel and uh, a group of people misunderstood what I said on TV and uh, they came to me and I had to explain myself. They were, they were not Christians by the way. And, and then finally we had a meal together and the meal basically said Okay, we're making peace now. We, ha we have an understanding. So problems are, are solved in a meal. And meals in the Bible are very important because that's really what releases the power of covenants. And that's what happens in communion. We have a meal with God and God releases the power of the covenant. That's why people are healed often in when they have communion. I remember my father-in-law, Lord Holland, I've told those stories so many, 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 many times. He was dying with cancer. And Sue and I came, at that time when he lived in California, we flew to Orlando to say our last goodbye 
to Hodev or Hodana, very mighty man of God, had a massive church at, the, at one time called Calvary Assembly in Orlando. And now he's told he's going to die with cancer. And they put him on chemo, and he was losing his weight and color and hair. And finally, a preacher came to his home and told him to have communion daily till God healed him. And none of us thought he would live. We, we, we had come to say bye, our last goodbye to him. And so here this preacher is telling Roy about the importance of communion. And Roy knew the Bible in an amazing way. But somehow maybe he needed to hear that from that other man. And would you believe it if I tell you that he began taking communion and within just a few weeks, the cancer was gone, his color came back, his hair came back, and his kidneys, his kidneys which had, which had shut down, came back to life. He lived an additional 10 years. And we saw that happen. There is amazing power when we have communion. And even Paul the Apostle talks and says, for this reason, many are weak and sickly and many have died because they've ignored the, the importance of what does that meal represent. And that's why I'm talking to you today because I think some of you today, you know, need to understand that because God will bring healing to your body and frankly, healing to your life and family if you begin to have communion, breaking the bread, partaking of the cup, regularly. Some of you may, may be led by the Lord to have it daily, and the Bible doesn't really tell us how often, but it says that as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So there are, there are people I know who have it daily. I have it myself weekly, every week. By myself, I have com com communion. And I'm telling you, my life has been totally changed as a result. So in Genesis 18, a most remarkable thing happens to Abraham. You remember that God, you know, had promised him a son, and nothing happened for so many, many, many years, and finally the Lord shows up. And now what, what happens? They have dinner together. Imagine God eating with Abraham. It says, and Abraham hastened, uh, hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal make cakes and so on. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man, and he hasted to dress it. He took butter and milk and the calf, which he had dressed. And now what, what, what happened? God ate with Abraham. They had a meal together. And the next thing you, you read is verse 10. Of, of, uh, of Genesis, I almost said Isaiah, of Genesis 18. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. They'd been waiting 14 years for the promise. And now the Lord comes, has a dinner or lunch, a meal with Abraham, and the promise now is released. He said, I will certainly now return, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Isn't that amazing? Wow, the power of that meal covenant. 
the children of Israel, the children of Israel were delivered during dinner. Do you remember that? They were in Egypt 400 years in slavery. No deliverance, nothing. And now Moses comes to the land of Egypt. The plagues begin descending on the land. Israel is still there. But that last night, they have a meal, remember? When they had to kill the lamb and apply the blood and eat the lamb. And they left while they were chewing, just to show you how quickly God fulfilled the promises he had given Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel, the nation. How quickly it was fulfilled. How quickly the power of God was released, even while they were eating. So I think God is speaking to someone right now about the importance of having communion in your life because you've been wondering, like, why am I not seeing the promises of God fulfilled? Just like Roy, my father-in-law, who is dying. His skin is shut down. No, no hope in the natural. And now he has communion. And the healing happens. His life is back. Ten more years of life. He died in his mid-80s, and they were expecting him to die in his early 70s. So here is God in Exodus 24. He had made promises to Israel. And now something happened that had never happened before. Look at Exodus 24. And God said to Moses, Come up, you and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders, and then now, Moses, you come alone and let them wait. So now, Moses receives the words from the Lord, writes all the words in a book, builds an altar, and then the blood was applied on the whole nation, meaning that God Almighty was about to come and dwell among them. Because up to that moment, Moses had to go up the mountain. The next thing we see after this chapter is, build me a tabernacle, I'm coming down to dwell among you. So Moses did not have to go up the mountain anymore after this. Once the tabernacle was built, he, he did not go up to Mount Sinai. He stayed in the camp because God now dwelt in the tabernacle. But what changed it? What changed it is the blood was, was applied, but then it says something powerful. It says, and they saw, verse 10, and they saw the God of Israel, that is the elders and Moses, that was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. So they, they saw heaven, as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Watch this. Also they saw God and they did eat and drink. Wow. And the minute God eats with men, the next thing we see is, build me a tabernacle. The next chapter, the Lord says to him. Now remember, there were no chapters in those days. Chapters were added later in, in many, many years later by an Englishman. So God now says, build me a tabernacle wherein I may dwell. The blood was shed, the meal had taken place, the, the promise is released. 
that God had given the nation. All because of communion. Because that's what it was. A meal with God. A meal with the Lord. Now, when you look at the New Testament, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue tomorrow. There's so much about this in the Bible. I don't want to miss one part of it, and I don't want to rush. But what, what happened in Luke 22, 19? You all know, but I want to remind you, and much more. It says, and he took bread, the Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament, is the New Testament, is the New Covenant, in my blood, which is shed for you. That's awesome. So now, we see the release of the promises. Right before the Lord goes to Calvary, right before he is crucified, he has a meal with them. And in that meal, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. But what people a lot of times miss is what the Lord said. He said, this do in remembrance of me. What does that mean? Well, <clears throat> if you don't understand the truth of this, if it sounds strange to our ears to be commanded to eat bread and drink wine in order to remember the Lord, well, you know, humanly speaking, we, we celebrate uh, anniversaries, weddings, birthdays with a meal. Uh, business deals often close with a meal, like I just told you what happened with me earlier, even problems are settled in a meal. So here I think the Lord is, is letting us know so powerfully that all the promises of the new covenant are released in that meal. Because he said, this is the blood of the covenant. Of the covenant. A covenant is not an agreement. An agreement can be broken. A covenant cannot. A covenant cannot. And the Lord died on the cross and shed his blood as the covenant himself. He is the covenant. He is the covenant. In Isaiah 49, the prophet Isaiah calls him the covenant. And here's really what happened, if I can explain that to you. God made a covenant with Israel, they, they broke it. So he said, I will make a covenant with myself. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. He said that to Abraham. In blessing I will bless you, in multiplying I will multiply you, and your seed, meaning Messiah, will possess the gate of the enemy, meaning will defeat Satan. Now, God becomes flesh in the person of Jesus and makes a covenant with his son or with himself. Therefore, that covenant that God made is unbreakable. You see, Israel broke it when God made that covenant with the nation. Now he says, because you broke it, 
I'm going to make that covenant with myself. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. Now, for that covenant between God the Father and God the Son to be broken, God would cease to be. That's how powerful and how solid that covenant is. So God the Father and God the Son, a covenant demands two representatives. One who represents the divine, the Father, one who represents man, Jesus, because Jesus became flesh, and he was as much man as though he was not God, and as much God as though he was not man when he walked the earth. The Lord was not 50% God and 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% man at the same time when he walked the earth. And now God makes a covenant with his son through the shedding of his blood, which means it can never be broken. He is the covenant. And when he said, this is my blood, the blood of the covenant, what covenant? that the Father and himself made on our behalf. Anyone in Jesus is a part of that covenant. Isn't that powerful? Anyone in Jesus, to that person belong all the promises. I had a talk one time with my friend Paul Crouch, who's in heaven now, and we were talking about Psalm 91, and he said how the angels of God are with him. I said, Paul, that promise was not made to you. And he got kind of a little upset with me. He said, what do you mean that promise was not made to me? I said, that promise was made to Jesus. And we went back and forth at it. I said, because he that dwelleth in the secret place is the Lord, not us, not us. He shall give his angels charge over thee was the promise made to the Lord. I said, even the devil knew that part. And he said, yeah, you're right. And he said, well, where do we fit? I said, when you are in Jesus, all the promises are yours now. Only in him, the promises are yea and amen, not outside of him. And he got really excited at that moment and rejoiced and praised the Lord because in Jesus, the, the promises are ours. He is the covenant. And what happens when we partake of communion with him, when we have a meal with the Lord, basically, the, the covenant that he made on our behalf becomes ours, becomes ours. And all the promises of that covenant are released into our life. That's why healing and deliverance happens when people partake communion. Without even asking to be healed, people are healed. Without asking to be delivered, they are, they are delivered because of the power of the covenant. I'm going to say one more thing now. I don't know that some will like what I'm going to say. The Catholic people get healed quicker than the Pentecostal people. Catholic people get healed way much faster than, than any other group out there. Why? Because they revere the Eucharist. They revere the covenant. Yes, I don't agree that the, the bread is the actual body of the Lord. I believe it's symbolic. So when, when the Lord said, this is my body, he didn't mean my real flesh and blood and bones. It was symbolic. By, by the spirit, yes, of course. In spirit, it is his body. In spirit, it is his blood. But 
when you say it's symbolic, it loses the meaning, it, it, it loses the power. So that's why they revere it so much. They revere communion so much. That many are healed in the Catholic Church way more. And there's, there's been reports of how many Catholic people get healed during communion who are not even believers. If you can believe that, it's amazing. Like they're not born again. Why? Because of reverence, they understand this is holy. This bread is holy. Now to us, Pentecostal charismatics, in many circles, people have lost the reverence. They've lost the holiness of the moment that we are partaking of the Lord himself, who is the covenant in spirit, in spirit. Isn't that beautiful? So after he rose from the dead, after our precious Jesus rose from the dead, what was the first thing he did? He had, he had another meal with them. Remember that? Why? To release the promises of Pentecost. And Peter, the apostle, said something beautiful in Acts chapter 10, that they ate with the Lord after he rose from the dead. Now, why would they eat with the Lord? Because the covenant was being released. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even unto us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. That's awesome, wow. So when did the Lord, when did the Lord reveal himself to those on the road to Emmaus? Remember that in the, in the book of Acts? While they took communion, he revealed himself. And I think a lot of people have not had a real, clear, life-changing revelation of who Jesus is in their life because they've neglected having a meal with him, communion with him. He reveals his presence. His presence be be becomes reality, reality, when we celebrate his victory with a meal, communion. And think about what I've said. Here's Cleopas, who was related to the Lord, on the road to Emmaus with, a, with a, another unnamed disciple. And they're talking back and forth about what happened in Jerusalem. And the Lord joins them. Their eyes are held back. They did not recognize him. And now as they came to Emmaus and they had communion with, with the Lord, their eyes opened. Father, I pray their eyes will open as they have communion with your son. Lord, your word repeatedly tells us how covenants are sealed how promises are released in that meal, that covenant meal we call communion. I give you the praise for what you're about to do in the lives of your people. Lord, speak to them now. Move upon your, their hearts by your Holy Spirit to begin having regular communion, even if they have it alone with you. I give you the praise, blessed Jesus. And yes, Lord, reveal your love and your dear power and presence to them more and more. Bring them into that deep place in you. Amen and amen. I was preaching for Pastor John Kirkpatrick a few days ago. 
And he said to Allah, he said, this is not the same Bani I know. And he came up publicly and said, what's happened? He asked Allah, he said, what's happened to Bani? And the Lord said, I'm molting him, molting him. And he had one of his people look up the word molting. And molting means to change the feathers of an eagle. What's so touching to me. And later after, we had lunch and we talked about that more. And he was so gracious. And you know, the change began really happened to happen with me when I began to take communion alone. It just, my life began changing. To have communion alone with the Lord is life-changing. May the Lord do the same with you. And how we need to experience His presence more and more in these days we're living in. I want to continue tomorrow. Please don't, don't uh, uh, forget and be with me and tell your friends about this very important time together. All right, it's time to give to the Lord's work. It's time to tell Jesus, I love you so much with an offering because it's, it's, it's love. Giving is love. Love is not something we say. Love is something we, we do. And every time we sow seed, it's really a gift of love for the Lord. So let's give him that gift of love right now. And as we do, which is a sacrificial thing we do, he's promised to bless us, to take care of us, to protect us financially, to protect our future financially, and to bless us today with true biblical prosperity. So you can sow on the platform you're watching me on, or you can go to our website, benin.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. And don't forget my new book, Mysteries of the Anointing. Everything I have learned and experienced about the anointing in 48 years is in this book. Think about this. When you read this book, it's 48 years of experiencing and understanding the anointing and the dangers of the anointing and so much more. So you can get this book on, on Amazon. You can get it from our ministry or from your bookstore. But, you know, Amazon, I think, is the quickest way. And uh, so you can go to Amazon and get this book. In fact, it's in bookstores already. It was published already. I mean, it's in bookstores now. In fact, I, I think it was released yesterday. So get your own copy. Mysteries of Dan Onyx. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.